Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Edward Arnold inviting you to listen to a special Christmas story on Mr. President. In observance of the Christmas holidays, Edward Arnold puts aside his role of Mr. President to bring you by transcription a special broadcast. In the minutes to follow, you will hear a story written by W.E. Kuehl and adapted for radio by Gene Holloway. The story titled, The Man at the Gate of the World. Christmas Day is a pretty good time to talk to you about future plans. About 1950, for instance. Have you been dreaming about a new home, a farm in the country? Sending your youngsters to college or a trip around the world? Do you believe these dreams can come true? Well, United States savings bonds can be your Aladdin's lamp. Just think. For every $3 you save in U.S. savings e-bonds, you'll get four when they mature. U.S. savings bonds are the safest investment in the world. They're an investment in your government. And here's a suggestion. If part of the Christmas gifts you received today were in cash, invest them in U.S. savings bonds. Remember, automatic saving is sure saving. It can bring your dreams... Much nearer. And now here is Edward Arnold as the narrator and as Casper the Persian in The Man at the Gate of the World. Gather close and listen. For once more it is the anniversary of his birth. The 1949th anniversary of the life dedicated to peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Listen to the story of a star and a man who followed it to the gate of the world. The star rose in a blinding, dazzling arc of light, and those who knew its meaning knelt and gave thanks. And in the east, the three magi who had long awaited the coming of that star mounted their camels and started westward. Melchior, Balthazar, and Caspar. Three wise men who believed the star would guide them to the cradle of a king of kings. They followed the sign from Persia to Palestine, and finally to Bethlehem, the city of David, where the star stood still like a pure white flame above a stable. The Magi were puzzled, for inside they found no prince to receive their homage, 
Only a child newly born to a carpenter and his wife. True, the woman had beauty and the child radiance, but he was born in poverty, and the one they sought must be born in glory. And so they left some gifts and departed, pondering these strange happenings in their hearts. They rode silently, deep in thought, and finally, when they were several days from Bethlehem, Caspar, the youngest, said to his companions, There was something about that child's face that I can't get out of my mind. Could the carpenter's son be the prince we seek? I have been casting the horoscope of the carpenter's son as we've sat here. He will never sit upon a ruler's throne. His earthly lot is pain and poverty, hate and scorn. And before the star of the carpenter's boy has reached its zenith, it will pass blood red into the house of death. It was a long, wearisome journey to make for nothing. But the star, we saw the star just as it was prophesied. And it stood directly above that stable. I swear it did. We misread the signs, or the signs have mocked us. Caspar, we are only humans, walking for the moment between two darknesses. We are wrong far more times than we are right. There is a great uneasiness in my heart this night. I cannot explain it, but I... I must leave you here. I can go no further. Over and over, my heart keeps repeating, go back. Go back to Bethlehem. Melchior... You told me you saw in my chart when I was born that I would serve a king and, and keep for him a mighty citadel. That is so. But your chart did not say that you would find him in Bethlehem. That is the only clue I have. And I'll never be able to rest now until I find him. Oh, my son. In you I see now the heart of the seeker. Be warned. The seeker is the most unhappy of all the sons of men. For he is foredoomed to the road and the desert. He is without home and without kin. He has only a star. That may be, but I must follow that star. Then, my son, go back to Bethlehem and begin your search. And I'll be with you. And so Caspar parted company from the friends of his life. Balthazar and Melchior, and started back on a solitary way towards Bethlehem. And now the skies were black and chill, and the only star that burned was the memory in his own heart. Bethlehem was a city of tragedy, shrouded, full of tears. Caspar went to the inn. Yes, I can give you lodgings. The inn is empty. Uh, thank you. Uh, tell me, I heard so many women crying as I came through the city. Why do the women weep? They weep for their sons. The soldiers of Herod have gone through the streets, killing every babe they could find. Why? Because it was rumored that a child was born here a few weeks past that shall rise and become king of the Jews, a king of kings. A child born here? Yes. Can you imagine a king as powerful as Herod, afraid of a newborn babe? Tell me, I was here a few weeks ago. There was a woman bore a son... In the stable behind your inn. Oh, yes. Mary and Joseph of Nazareth. Was... Was that child killed? No. They fled in the night. My wife said they went into Egypt. Egypt? Then I must go to Egypt. In Egypt, the carpenter and his family were as grains of sand in the desert. And Caspar could find no trace of them. And now his search seemed hopeless. 
and he wandered from city to city, while the years kept pace beside him. Here and there were eyes that pleased his eyes, and once there was a voice that lingered like a melody in his ears. Stay here beside me, Caspar. Stay here and let my heart be your home. To wander endlessly is to die at last, forsaken and forgotten. If ever a woman could hold me, it would be you. But I seek a light that I saw one night over Bethlehem almost ten years ago. And the king of kings that I must serve. I must go on tomorrow into Galilee. I'll miss you all the rest of my life. Farewell. And God keep you. And so one day at eventide, Caspar came to the gates of a city in Galilee. He was worn and tired, and from his eyes looked the heart of the seeker, weary with his own hunger, aching with the pain of silence and the desert. While he stood momentarily looking about him, a boy separated himself from a group of children and came toward him. Wilt thou come with me, sir, to my mother's house? It is near at hand, and there is water there for thy feet and bread and wine to sustain thee. May I guide thee there? Casper wondered for a moment. And then deciding that the house must be an inn, he took the small hand offered him and followed the boy into the city. At last they came to a house within a courtyard, and the boy asked him to sit down and disappeared into the house. Casper looked about him in wonder, for this was not an inn, but a small, poor house. The boy's mother came from within, troubled but smiling. Casper said to her immediately, I supposed he was guiding me to an inn. I'm sorry to trouble you. Do not feel embarrassed. You see, daily, my strange son goes to the gate, seeking any who seem weary so that he may bring them home. And so gentle is his spirit, so eager to help any that he can, that it is a joy to receive whoever he brings. I have brought the towels and water for thy feet. Thou wilt feel much refreshed after I have finished. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do that. No, let me remove thy sandals, sir. Tell me, why dost thou do these things, child? I know not. So many have asked, but I know not what to answer. Well, there, there must be some thought that governs thy deeds, some purpose. I cannot tell thee what compels me to do these things, sir, for I do not know yet. But someday I shall know. Until then, I do what I must do. When I see men weary and in need, I feel that I must give them rest. That is all. There. Dost thou not feel better, sir? Ah, yes, I, I feel much better. Wilt thou not share our supper, sir? Oh, my thanks, but no. I must get to an inn before nightfall. I will guide thee there. Oh, bless thee for thy graciousness. I ask thy pardon for my boy. He seeks always the poor and needy. But today he mistook his guest. He knows so little of the world. No, he made no mistake. I needed him more than any other man. Master, what dost thou seek? My child, if I said a star, thou wouldst not understand. And so the only answer I can make is that I seek naught that thou couldst help me find. But I go now to Damascus, and I, I would that thou couldst come with me. No, soon I must go to our own great city where the temple stands. But then... After that, one day I shall go to Damascus. I have heard it said that there are so many people there that it is called the gate of the world. That is true. 
I shall stand at Damascus, at the gate of the world. And perhaps someday I'll meet thee there. That may be, for I am sure we will meet again. I will ever love Caspar the Persian. And if ever I need a friend, I will remember him. If thou ever needst a friend, thou hast only to let me know. We will meet again, perhaps at the gate of the world. The next day, Casper went from the quiet hills of Galilee to Damascus. And then after a time, he went to Rome. He was made welcome there, for he had wisdom and wealth, and his people had been princes before Rome was born. He became a close friend of Caesar, and he put his quest aside for a time, and only now and then did the echo of the camel's bells from the desert call him to continue his search for the king of kings. And so the years added up to twenty, and still Caspar had not found his star. And one morning Caesar said to him, Caspar, my friend, I have done nothing for thee, and thou hast been my loyal friend these many years. I have decided to make thee governor of Alexandria. Thou dost me great honor. Go, consider it, and weigh it well, and tell me if it pleases thee. Not in vain shall any man be known as Caesar's friend. I will ever love Caspar the Persian, and if ever I need a friend... I will remember him. My friend, is something wrong? Are you ill? You look so strange. I'm sorry, I... uh... You've been too generous of your time and support, Caspar. In Alexandria, you can rest and enjoy the rewards of the time you have given me. I will ever love Caspar the Persian. And if ever I need a friend, I will remember him. Your indulgence, sir. I'm, I'm afraid I cannot accept your most generous offer. You... Cannot accept. No. I must return to Galilee. I must return at once. And so it was that Caspar came once more to the hills of Galilee and followed in the footprints of his earlier journey. I will find the boy, he said over and over to himself. Perhaps together we can solve the riddle of the star that guided me to Bethlehem. He retraced once more his steps to the boy's house. He entered the courtyard and his heart was pounding with an excitement he had not felt since the night he followed the star through the gates of Bethlehem. An old man came through the courtyard towards him. Well, what wouldst thou of this house? I seek a family. Uh, Twenty years ago, I came to this city. In those days, a boy dwelt here with his mother and they... They gave me hospitality. Knowest thou anything of them? Aye, it is ever the same question. It would seem that I came here for no reason but to alter it. I'm sorry if I caused the annoyance. I came hoping the boy would still be here. Thy pardon, sir, but questions concerning the boy have been so many, my patience is almost at an end. The boy is not here now. He is dead. Dead? He was crucified. Crucified? Tell me. Knowest thou where the boy was born? Yes, he was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Bethlehem? Born in Bethlehem? Oh, what a fool I've been. Fool, fool. The boy was a strange lad. He went to Jerusalem and opposed the priests of the temple. So they laid a charge of sedition against him and slew him there. Crucified. 
crucified. He who loved and gave so much of himself, crucified. His followers say that after he was slain, he rose from the dead. But if this is true, he did not come here. I have not seen him. But the tale, oh, the tales they tell of him. They say he was born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. And there are those who would have you believe that angels proclaimed his birth with hymns in the sky. And that three kings from the east, Magian astrologers, followed a star to the stable and came to do him honor. They did. And I was one of them. You were one. Aye. But when the star brought us to the cradle of a carpenter's babe, we could not believe that before us was a king of kings. And so we left. It's got so a man hardly knows what to believe anymore. Heed me, carpenter. Twice I saw the star and did not know it for mine. Do not thou likewise. Where are his followers now? They say many of them are in Damascus. Damascus? Of course, Damascus. So it was that Caspar, remembering the boy, laid aside forever the girdle and the chaplet which told his race and rank, laid aside the jewels and silk and linen which told his wealth, and took a humble house by the east gate of Damascus. And every day he stood by the gate, watching for those who were weary and in need. To them he would say, Wilt thou come with me to my house? It is near at hand, and there is water there for thy feet and food and wine to sustain thee. He stood at the gate of the world year in and year out. And as the tide of life flowed and ebbed past him, he watched constantly for that one face that he would know. And there came gradually into his heart a great pity and compassion until he yearned over all humanity as though each member of it was his only child. And there was no man to tell him that perchance the one he had sought had already come to stand day by day at the gate of Damascus. The long, long years inched by, his step became haunting, his eyes half-blind. And one hot morning, as the old man stood at the gate, the voices of the past swirled blindly about him. His earthly lot is pain and poverty, hate and scorn. The seeker is foredoomed to the road and the desert. He is without home and without kin. He has only a star. Stay here beside me, Caspar. To wander endlessly is to die at last, forsaken and forgotten. Will you come with me, sir, to my mother's house? It is near at hand, and there is water there for thy feet, and bread and wine to sustain thee. I ask thy pardon for my boy. He seeks always the poor and the needy. But today he mistook his guest. He knows so little of the world. I will ever love Caspar the Persian. The boy is not here now. He is dead. He was crucified. Crucified! Crucified! The torments of his memories tore through Caspar like a living agony. At noon, the wall behind him became a narrow shaft of wood whose touch was full of fiery pain. His hands were outstretched on either side, each a core burning torture. His feet were lacerated with flames, and his parched and swollen tongue longed for the death, but could not speak the words to beg for it. 
At last, mercifully, he fainted. And the gateman carried him to his house. And the kind, dark hand of night came down on his fevered body and soothed him to sleep. In the morning, Casper was back at the gate. And as the crowds pressed through, suddenly a man, lame and evil of face, stood before him, staring at him with mockery. Casper looked back at him, uncertainly, and then spoke. Art thou weary? Come with me to my house close at hand. I have water for thy feet and bread and wine. <laughs> well, here indeed is a welcome to Damascus. Thou art a fool, old man, to stand here like this, taking the scorn and abuse of the world. I spit on you. Come with me. Thou art weary and in pain. Will no one rid me of this meddlesome old fool? I'll split thy head open for thee with my staff. Oh. you for that. Wouldst thou strike a man so holy? I would strike men holier than he, Gateman. He's a fool. He would be better off dead. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What sayest thou? Come home with me. Aye, <laughs> I'll grant thy prayer. I'll go with thee. Let's see whether you will truly fill my stomach. Come, fool. And show me the way. Follow me. If any harm come to you... Ah, what's the gate? I'm not afraid of thy threat. Follow me. And now that thou hast dined, with thy permission, I will bathe thy feet. Suffer it to be so, for it is my custom, and thou hast come far today. What is this madness, fool? Tell me, who art thou? My name is Caspar, and I was a Persian. Here I am service, a slave to give aid to the weary. Therefore would I wash thy feet. Well, why should I forbid thy folly? Wash these feet of mine and do it well. Are they not beautiful, my fool? Consider. These feet of mine have had a heavy task, for they have sought for years to bear me to some place where I might find peace. They have walked along many roads that were rough and stony. If they have lost their beauty, it was there that they lost it. Dost thou think I will love thee for this, thou fool? Is that thy hope? No. I hate thee for thy service. I hate all men, and all men hate me. Oh, you cannot mean that. I do mean it. Once I saw the best and hated even the best. I saw the best, I tell thee, and hated it and killed it. And if I could kill the man I killed, I could slay all, all, all to the last fool who stands by a city gate. Thou knowest not what thou art saying. Who is thy master service? Jesus of Nazareth. And where is Jesus of Nazareth? Dead, but risen from the dead. Dead. Upon the cross. Once when he was a boy, he bathed my feet. And so now I stand at the gate of Damascus with water for the feet of the wayfarer and bread and wine. It is the least I can do for him. What thinkest thou to accomplish by thy deed? I know not. For his purpose is still dark. But I tell you this. It is he that washed your feet today. Not I. Fool. I have heard something of this tale from other lips. Was there not one of his company who betrayed him? Should I speak of that sin when there is so much that is great to speak about? Thou art the first to hide it. 
But was that evil one not there at the Last Supper and the deed that followed it? Did thy master bathe his feet too? Aye, but his heart was hardened so that he might not be saved. He might not be saved. Then thy master failed, poor fool. Thy master failed. No, no. I know that he had the one power in the world that could not fail. The memory of the deed. Thirty pieces of silver instead of a soul. Thirty pieces of silver in the knowledge of heaven that can never be entered. Thirty pieces of silver and a star has gone out. And the eyes that all men should kneel before mask forever. Living hell for the traitor. To remember and remember and remember. No, no, no. In a few days he died, slain by his own hand in his despair. No, fool, no. That was a tale they told to save him from the doom of Cain. Fool, how could he die? How could he of all men go to meet his lord? He stands before you now. He stands before you. Casper crouched on the floor, trembling, transfixed with horror. And then anger swept through him like a flame. He closed his eyes and tried to seal his heart against it. For in that blinding instant, he recognized this hour and its purpose. But his hands ached to strike, to kill. His tongue burned with words. Here before him was a man who had slain the boy. The old man shook, beast, trembled in the balance, and a whisper hung upon the air. Oh, Casper, I must save the world, the entire world. I must save the entire world. He knew now why he had stood at the gate. He knew now who waited to claim his own, and his heart rallied to the urgency of the boy's voice. And within himself, he felt love and power to pardon the unpardonable, to seek the unutterably lost, to shelter the soul for which there was no other shelter in the world. He raised his head to seek the face of his guest, and the cry of that guest as he met his eyes thrilled him through. Master! It is thy eyes I am looking into once again. It is thy eyes. And thou, thou hast forgiven me. Ye love me still. Master, master, I fled thee far, but thou hast found me. But how can I be forgiven? Never, never. sank to the floor and clasped the old man's feet, and Casper placed his arms about him, tender as a mother with a child, tender as the master himself. And as he did this, he heard a voice answer. My brother, Judas, there is no never in my love. Long have I sought thee, my brother. For I could not be the world's deliverer without first delivering thee. Ah, now I know thee, O matchless one, Prince of the Star, the deliverer for whom the world has waited. Thine the power and thine the glory. For here is thy sign.
And so the agonized voice of Judas found its answer and was still. And there stole into the room gradually the noises of the street, the murmur of the multitudes coming through the gates of Damascus. But Caspar still knelt, for the light of a star was on his face, a light that would shine for all people, the light that was the love of the Son of God, that would shine for all mankind until the end of time. Thank you, Edward Arnold. Today's special program on Mr. President reminds us of another Christmas program that will come to you today on the greatest story ever told. This drama has won numerous awards from leading church authorities, critics, and newspapers. But some of the most memorable tributes to this Sunday evening program have been from the listeners themselves. Many of the letters people have written have been letters of appreciation for dramatizing the inspiring story of the man who led the greatest life ever lived. This afternoon, the second portion of the Christmas drama, The Prince of Peace, a story of the nativity, will be heard. So don't miss the greatest story ever told today. And be sure to listen next week at this time, and once again we resume our regular broadcast of little-known stories of Mr. President. This transcription was produced and directed by Dick Woolen. Edward Arnold appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical On the Town, starring Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Betty Garrett, and Ann Miller. The Man at the Gate of the World was written by W.E. Kuehl and adapted for radio by Gene Holloway. Be sure to listen next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations once again bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.